us to repentance, your kindness. You've been so kind, so generous to each one of us here this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for how you love us, for how you cherish us. And as your word says, for how you nourish us as well. We are desperately in need of you nourishing us this morning, you feeding and teaching us. And by the power of your spirit, that you would transform and change us. God, we don't want to leave here unchanged, but change radically, transform, God. So would you do that this morning? And we thank you ahead of time for the great things you're going to do for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. And so I just, by way of reminder, the context this morning um, in this letter, remember the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to the Corinthians, um, this letter, it is a church that he was heavily involved with. He had been involved in planting the church, pastoring the church. You remember he wrote 1 Corinthians to this church also. And at this time in 2 Corinthians, the church is going through some problems um, many in the church were beginning to talk uh, badly about the Apostle Paul. So majority of this letter that's been written, Paul is defending himself. There were critics of his ministry, his apostleship, his credentials. And so Paul is defending himself. And now as we move into chapter 8 and chapter 9, Paul kind of switches gears, if you will. And he begins to talk about this issue of giving. And remember um, how it came about. The Apostle Paul... His heart was stirred for the churches in Jerusalem. The churches in Jerusalem at this time were going through some heavy uh, trials and heavy tribulations. Um, they were being persecuted. There was famine that had struck the land. They're going through a very, very difficult time, difficult situation, difficult people in their lives. That ever happened to you guys? It happens sometimes, doesn't it? And so the Apostle Paul's heart is stirred to help the churches in Jerusalem. So what does he do? He begins to collect a love gift or a, um, we might call a relief fund, if you will, um, to help the precious people, those saints, those believers um, in Judea or southern Israel. And so a year previous to this letter we're looking at, a year previous to 2 Corinthians being written, um, the Corinthians had been all in when they heard about this love gift. They were like, you're going you're gonna to bless, you're going to do that. We're on board. We're with you. That sounds awesome. Their hearts were stirred. They were zealous about helping their brothers and sisters. And so now a year later, it seems they backtracked a little bit. They had made this commitment, but then they kind of backed off from their commitment. You guys ever do that? Sometimes it happens, doesn't it? And so the Apostle Paul is encouraging them now to finish what they started, to bring about a completion in those things that they had begun a year previously. So that kind of sets the stage um, for this morning. Look what it says in chapter 9, verse 1, God's Word. Paul writes, Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that, as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me, and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as grudging obligation. So the Apostle Paul explains why he's doing what he's doing. And at the bottom of all of this, or, or just the, the crux of the whole matter, is that he doesn't want the Corinthians to be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. You guys ever, ever get embarrassed? 
You ever made somebody embarrassed? It's just not a good feeling, is it? So Paul wants to give them room now to save face, to redeem the commitment they had made to give um, in this way, this love gift. And so let's back up to verse 1 just for a second with me. And he says, concerning the ministering to the saints, that word ministering means to serve. Paul viewed our giving as a service unto the Lord and a service unto others. I think that's an important thing to be reminded of this morning. In fact, Paul viewed their financial giving as ministry, and God has chosen giving to be the means of supporting his ministry. And so God wants his people um, to have what they need, to meet their needs. And not only that, God wants to bless the furthering of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says it's, I like that, it's an it's a old King Jimmy word, superfluous. Anybody know what that means? Is that super floss? Is that like some really good dental super floss? What is, what's he talking about? It means it is unnecessary. In other words, he's saying it's not necessary to write this. I think it's divine sarcasm, by the way. It's not necessary for me to write this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I need to remind you. He says in verse 2, I'm well aware of your eagerness to give. In fact, I bragged about you. I boasted about your zeal, how excited you, you were about serving and helping and giving. And who did he boast to? Who were the Macedonians? You guys remember who the Macedonians are? They're the people. You guys remember? They're the people, the churches in northern Greece, modern-day Greece. We're talking about uh, Berea, Philippi, those cities up there. And then Achaia is the churches in Corinth around that area. And so apparently when Paul was in these northern churches, he's saying, these guys, oh, they're awesome. Their hearts are stirred to give. They're walking by faith. They're, they're taking steps of faith. And so Paul says, you were ready and excited a year ago. You wanted to help to get engaged. And what happened? Your enthusiasm, look at the end of verse 2, has stirred up or affected almost everyone. They had become the catalyst in the hearts of other believers to get involved with what God was doing. And doesn't that happen sometimes? A couple of people are just on fire for the Lord and, and, and they begin to, to burn and, 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 and kind of like John the Baptist. Jesus said about John the Baptist, he said to the people, the religious people of his day, you chose to rejoice in his light for John the Baptist was a burning and shining lamp. And he had stirred up many people. Listen, you don't shine without burning within in your heart first. John was a burning and shining lamp. And so they were burning. They were shining for the Lord. And Paul's saying to them, listen, here's why I sent this crew. Verse 3, here's why I sent this crew before me. I don't want my bragging about you to be turn, turn out to be a dud or to turn out to be nothing. I want you to be prepared for when I come because... If some of those Macedonians come with me when I come and they see you're not ready to give or you're reluctant, then guess what's going to happen? You'll be embarrassed and I'm going to be embarrassed. And I don't want that to happen. In fact, that means I was all talk and you were all talk. It was empty boasting. And apparently the Corinthians were pulling back on the promise or the commitment that they had made. Does God want us to keep our commitments? Our promises. Yes. It's interesting. In Ecclesi if you're taking notes, Ecclesiastes 5.4, it says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. And so it would be better not to make a promise at all, he says. If you make a vow, you make a promise, boom, do it. Be faithful because our God is faithful too, isn't he? He's faithful, he's reliable, he's dependable. God says what he's going to do. And so, same with us. He wants us to follow through. Look at verse 5. So, Paul says, I sent a crew early enough um, to what? To, to give you time to gather. I think there's some more uh, divine sarcasm. To gather that generous gift that you promised. Remember, you made a promise. But, notice, he says, I want your hearts to be in the right place when you do give. Again, that's the most important thing is our hearts, correct? Is that the most important thing, you guys? Yeah. The heart of the issue is always the issue of our hearts. 
In fact, Paul had commended those churches in northern Greece, we read last week, because the first thing they did was give what? Give themselves to the Lord before anything else. Because that's what God is concerned. Lord, man looks at the outward appearance, right? But the Lord looks at the heart. He looks right into our hearts, the motivations, the attitudes, um, the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And Paul's saying, listen, this way it's going to be a blessing to give and not a bummer. In, in, in fact, we want you to give because you want to give. That's what Paul's saying here. Listen, how does God give to us? Does he give grudgingly or generously? generously. He gives generously. We're going to see this word grudging uh, a couple times in our Bible study this morning. And guess the old English word in which we get grudging? You know what word we get from it? Grouch. You guys ever seen that, that little green guy from Sesame Street? Lives in a can. Oscar the grouch, right? Just angry and bitter. and That's the idea here. Paul's like, we don't want you giving me a grouch. We want you to be like the Lord. Because our giving reflects God's heart, you guys. His love. And giving should be a normal part of our Christian experience. Jesus said, when you give, don't let your... Left hand, know what your right hand is doing, correct? Don't toot your horn in front of everybody is the idea. And it goes way beyond, listen, it goes beyond money, our, our, our treasures. Our giving, it speaks of our, our time, our talents. There's, listen, there's lots of different ways to give and to serve the Lord, you guys. And some of those I know, some of you guys in the body do so many awesome things, blessing people, reaching out to people. And I hear it sometimes from people in the community, and, and they call or they let me know when I meet them, wow, you'd not believe what these people did. They said they were from your church. I'm like, hallelujah. It wasn't something weird, you know. <laughs> Praise God. That's because of your hearts, your generous hearts. And I shared this last week. We have the most generous church here we are able, if you go, all you got to do is walk out the hall after you go by the little Halloween thing, the little harvest outreach things. You look up on that wall and look at how diverse we are able to reach out into this world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to minister. That's awesome, guys. That's because of your hearts, your hearts towards the Lord. And so Paul's saying this here. He's saying, listen, you need to be not grudging, but it's a matter of generosity. And then he speaks about the heart of the giver in verses 6 through 9. Let's look at this together. He says, but this I say in verse 6, he who sows sparingly. What's sparingly mean? Spiquito. Spiquito, that's right. Very small, little, sting. The word, I looked it up. It means meager, not plentiful, frugal, miserly, ungenerous, stingy, and tight-fisted. You're writing that down. I know it was really quick. You can look it up. He who sows sparingly, a little paquito, a little teeny bit, what's going to happen? There's a promise. Will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully, what's bountifully? Gigante? Lots, lots, and lots. Here's what the word means. Abundant, generous, prolific. What's going to happen? you will also reap bountifully. So, let each one give as he purposes, where? In his heart, not grudgingly, that's the grouch word, or of necessity. Why? For God loves a what? Cheerful giver. So good. Isn't this good stuff this morning? Let's break down verse 6 real quick. So the person who plants a small amount of seeds is going to get a small crop. The person that plants lots of seeds, they're going to get what? A huge crop. And listen, I know there are some of us who have been to churches where this passage was totally abused. And it turns into a manipulation session from the preacher or pastor or whoever. Um, it's sad, but this is true. This is absolutely true what God is saying here. If you give generously, then God is going to bless you. That's the reality. But, listen, if you're a cheapskate, then guess what's going to happen? That's what's going to happen in your life. It's the law. It is a law of reaping and sowing. It's a law just like gravity. Can you see gravity? No, you see the effects, don't you? If I took a stage dive here, right, nobody in the front row, so it's okay. 
what would happen? I would, you'd see the effects of gravity pulling me down, right? Electricity, you see, you don't, we don't see electricity, do we? You see the effects of it? Right? You see the light to your electric bill once a month, right? You see the effects of it. Same way with sowing and reaping. You don't see it, you see the effects of it, and you accept it by faith. Listen, there's three principles that are connected to this law of sowing and reaping. Number one, if you're taking notes, you reap after the same kind you sow. You reap after the same kind you sow. This is not, listen, this is not like uh, nuclear fission, you guys. Or quadratic formulas, whatever those are. You, you, you sow apple seeds, you get... You sow apple seeds, you get apples. apples. Thank you. Galatians 6. You sow to the flesh, you reap the things of the flesh. You sow to the spirit, you reap the things of the spirit. spirit. Not that you guys are the flesh and they're the spirit. <laughs> but you, that's what you'll reap after, after its kind. There's a law at work in our marriages. Listen, in our marriages, in our homes, in our ministries. And some people, they sow to the flesh and they think they're going to reap in the spiritual realm. And guess what? You're deceived this morning. And I'm encouraging you to wake up this morning. There's people that are backslidden, that are, don't know the Lord, and they're sowing to the flesh, sowing to the flesh, and they think they're going to reap in the spiritual, and it's just not going to happen. You reap what you sow. sow. The Bible says that if you sow to the wind, you'll reap of the whirlwind. That's why we want to make sure we're making the right investment. And this happens in our marriages. We can invest this way with our spouse, sowing good seeds, spiritual seeds, with our kids also. But then the second rule or the second principle comes into play. You will reap after you sow, and it takes time. Are you with me? Anybody ever plant anything here? It takes a little time, doesn't it? You water, you wait. We like instant, though. Don't we? We want it now. Give me it now, right? My way. I want it my way. Isn't that Burger King or something? Give it my way. Yeah. You go to Starbucks, and what happens? You order your triple latte with caramel drizzle and your nitro foam on top. And when do you want it? An hour later? Want Give me it now. The problem is we carry that into our spiritual walk with the Lord, too, don't we? Some of you are laughing, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, I want to see this result now, but it takes time. As you're watering, you're waiting. Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart, the Bible says. The problem is we lose heart, and we give up. We stop watering, we stop waiting, we get impatient, and we start to take matters into our own hands rather than giving the Lord time to work. Are you with me? It's an exercise of faith, you guys of sowing, continually sowing those good seeds into our own hearts. And what happens over time? It begins to grow, doesn't it? Spiritually, we begin to grow, we get transformed, we're conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Correct? Isn't that what's going on? You realize, I'm, I know I'm not what I should be, but praise God I'm not what I used to be. Wow, and there's stuff paling off, and I can't believe, Lord, you're just working in my heart and my life. This morning, first service, I was sitting with my son, looking at the worship team, and just looking at their lives and just going, oh, God, thank you. I've watched them grow in the Lord. Not just with their giftings and all that stuff, but spiritually. Look where they came from. God, thank you. That's good seeds being sown in their hearts and in their marriages, in their lives with their kids. It's so awesome. And then there's the third thing. So the harvest comes later. It will come, by the way. It will come and some people that are, are backslidden or don't know the Lord, listen, the harvest will come. You may think you're getting away with it. Oh, I'm living with my girlfriend. I'm, you know, I'm getting drunk, getting stoned. It, it's cool. My business is, is blossoming. And you know what? The Lord, is, it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. Amen. He's giving you time. He's patient, reaching out to you. He's not, his, his, it's not his approval. His patience is not his approval or his, his stamp of, uh, oh, that's okay what you're doing. No, he's giving you time to turn, to repent because he's good. And then you turn, you need to start investing 
in your spiritual life. Well, the third thing is you'll reap more than what you've sown. You will reap more than what you've sown. Third principle for this law. I think it's, is that what you do with laws, principles? I don't know. You sow one apple seed, what happens? You get a tree full of apples. You will reap more than what you've sown. Sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul, please listen, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. So what's, I mean, this is so great. It's, it's reaping not only in this life, but the life to come. That's why Jesus says, store up your treasures in heaven. Because that's where it's at, man. Is that's where, where our future begins when we step through the veil into eternity. And to enter into the life that the Lord has, enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's going to be a great day. So Paul wants them to, to, to figure this out. Why? The church? So that they'll be blessed. So they will be blessed. And I would say to this morning, God will always make it worth your while. You'll reap blessings. It goes beyond material. It goes spiritual, emotional, mental. All these things in your life as you're sowing good seeds into your life and into the lives of others and into God's kingdom. And so look what he says in verse 7. So let each one give. Each person is to be involved. You can sow sparingly or bountifully. It's up to you. And by the way, giving is how God grows up kids, you guys. It's how he grows us. I know for me personally, um, every time I give, it's giving away a little bit of my selfishness. And I have a lot to give away. But it's how the Lord raises us and trains us and grows us up. And so our lives are being transformed from being takers to givers um, and so notice what it says, as he purposes in his heart. So let each one give as he purposes. It's between you and God this morning. Can I encourage you in that? It's between you and the Lord. You're giving. Between you and him. But he says, not grudgingly. It's where we get, don't be a grouch. Or of necessity. That means by compulsion. It says in the margin of my Bible, compulsion. It means law or duty or burden is the idea. Why? For God loves, what kind of a giver? Cheerful. Cheerful giver. That word is in the Greek is hilaros, which we get hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Woohoo! yes. I can't wait to give the Lord today. Is that how you are? This, this, here's what the word means. Check this out. It means joyous, willing, happy, optimistic, and radiant. Listen, that should be not only in our giving of, of our, our, our uh, material blessings, but our lives when we serve the Lord, too. It shouldn't be a bummer, you guys. It should be a blast. It's all His. It's like, Lord, I'm just giving back to you what belongs to you. You're filled with joy when you give. You're pouring out to Him. I give this to you in Jesus' name. It's all yours for your purposes, for your glory. I can't wait to see what you're going to do, Lord. Thank you so much. Our giving is a reflection of our hearts. It's a reflection of our hearts. And listen, if your heart is right, then you'll give. You'll serve. You don't need to be told. You don't need some preacher, pastor, you know, YouTuber telling you you need to do this. You need, if you have your heart's right, man, it's a joy to give. It's a blast. And so he goes on. And, and, and doesn't that happen when, when you give your life to Jesus? That, doesn't he give you new motivations? Doesn't he? Like new purposes, new meaning for your life. My life, our lives were once supremely selfish, self-absorbed, self-centered. And then the Lord comes into our hearts and, and there's a radical change. There's a radical shift, isn't there? A radical pivot going a diff, totally different direction in our lives. Again, rather than being full-on takers, now we become givers. Again, it's a, it's a reflection of our hearts. It's a reflection of our God and what he's doing in our lives. If we're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, we're becoming more and more like who? Jesus. More and more like who, you guys? Not a trick question. More and more like Jesus. 
who's the ultimate giver, right? Didn't we learn that last week? He, be, he who was rich became poor that we might become rich in him. And so, okay, pastor, I'm hearing you. But if I give this way, if I give bountifully, is that what it said, bountifully? If I give hilariously, if I give radically, sacrificially, who's going to take care of me? What about me? Look at the next verse. This is so awesome. Because don't we do that? It's such our flesh. How am I going to make ends meet? There's more month than money. Not maxing out the credit card and going over. Look, Because look what it says. He says in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, you can put your name in there, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work as it is written. This is so awesome. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. God, do you believe God is able today? You guys believe God is able? That was about like 50% of the room. I don't need to hear a hallelujah, my God is able, but you guys believe God is able today to take care of you? He's able. He can do all things with his infinite ability. And notice in our case, he's able to what? To make all grace abound, abundantly give you his kindness, his favor. To Notice all, how many times he says all. All grace, all sufficiency, all things. That you would be fully supplied in everything. So that you may abound, check this out, you may abound in what you need for every good thing or every good work you engage in. You will not just have an adequate supply, but an overflowing supply. And so how does this work out? Okay, your heart's right before the Lord. You give from the heart, generously, sacrificially, hilariously, graciously, and guess what God's going to do? He's going to take care of you. God's going to pay you back. And he's going to bless you in, in ways that you never thought imaginable. He's so good. As you step out in faith to do this, as you step out in faith to give or to serve, God will supply you what you need and beyond, and it's glorious. He is able, he is powerful, he's strong enough, he's capable to supply everything the giver needs. Listen to what Philippians 4 says. I love this verse, you guys know this verse. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Does anybody like that promise? Yes. That promise is to the giver. The Philippian church, we're a bunch of givers. And Paul's saying, listen, God's going to take care of you. He says it here too. God, listen this morning, God will not dry up the giver. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And so what happens? You take what belongs to God, what he gives you, and you become a channel for those blessings to bless God's kingdom and his work. And as you become a, a pipeline, passing that along, God keeps pouring it into you. In fact, didn't Jesus say that? Did Jesus say something like that, you guys? Was that a little amen? I love that. Oh, he did. That's right, little guy. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus said, I didn't say it, Jesus did. And that goes, that goes beyond just our giving financially, materially, serving. That's giving people mercy. Do you guys like mercy? Grace. 
That's going to come flowing back in your direction. And so often, you know, the case, what happens is so often we limit God. We limit what God wants to do. Why? Because we focus on ourselves. Can I encourage you this morning? Get, get your eyes off of your limitations and put them on the Lord who is able, who has all the resources, has all the sufficiency. Listen, God calls us to do things that we can't do on our own. Because if we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need him. All the time he calls us to take steps of faith. And what does he do? He meets us, he supplies for us and meets us right there with all grace, all sufficiency for everything. And as we rely upon him, guess what? His resources, his power, we lean upon him. And guess what? We find out he'll never let you down. He'll never drop the ball on you. Oh, it seems like you're working without a net going on a tightrope, but underneath are his everlasting arms. It's like, okay, I'm all right. I trust because he wants us to walk by faith, doesn't he? Because without faith, it is it's impossible to please God. It takes faith. And then Paul quotes Psalm 112. The man who is given richly dispense blessings all over. The man who is generous with those who are severely lacking. In this case, it was the church in Judea or Jerusalem. That right on stuff you did, Paul says, is of eternal value. His righteousness endures forever. Or... Who's the righteous dude or the righteous gal? It's the one who gives. It's the one who helps the poor. And Paul reminds them that God takes note. His righteousness endures forever. Now, look what Paul says here. It's, it's almost like a prayer. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower. Who's the he, by the way? Everybody's looking up at the board. You guys look at the board? Or at your Bibles? See a lot of heads up here. I realized this morning it's up behind me too. I'm like, who's he? Who supplies seed to the sower? God does. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Who supplies bread for food? God does. May he supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. That doesn't mean vote Democrat, by the way. When you see liberal here. Some of you will get that later. It's okay. <laughs> I, I'm not throwing my hat in the ring. I'm just, just a joke. <laughs> Some of you are like, okay, come on, Pastor. I want to hear it. Okay, talk to me. We're enriched in everything for all liberality. That means generosity, which does what? When we're generous, when we give, it causes thanksgiving, Paul says, through us to God. This is so good, you guys. So awesome. So let's break it down again. Verse 10, Paul's prayer. It seems like a prayer. He, Paul knows God, and he wants us to know him this morning, who our God is. God gives you what you need, doesn't he? Specifically, he says here, the seed to the sower, to invest in his kingdom. Seed is to be sown, not hoarded. God gives you your daily bread to survive and thrive, bread for food. And then notice Paul's request that the Lord would continue his gracious supply. He would continue to supply you and may he multiply the seed you've sown. May he multiply what you've already planted. And may the increase the fruits of your righteousness. May you continue to abound and that was right on things for God. That his glorious fruit would grow. Listen, God multiplies, you guys. Do you guys like God's math? We learn about it, don't we, in the Bible? Sometimes he adds. Sometimes he subtracts. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Sometimes he multiplies. He never divides. That's what men do. That's what the devil does, divides. Flesh. God multiplies. 
God takes what is small and makes something huge out of it. He multiplies. You guys remember when Jesus did that one time? A couple times, many times? You guys remember when he did that? I got a little song. Five loaves. I'm not going to sing it. Five loaves and two fish in the hands of the Lord is a great big dish. One little boy gave away his lunch, and Jesus let 5,000 munch. That's more than 5,000. 5,000 men plus a little unbiblical, but it's close. You guys remember that story? It's recorded in all four Gospels, by the way. I think that means that the Lord may want us to kind of take note of that four times. Can you imagine? Here's, mama's packing little guy his lunch, his little Spider-Man lunch pail. I'm going to give him five little, little. we're not talking about loaves like big old French loaves. We're talking about little buns. Five little loaves, two fish. Here you go, son. Got your carbs, your protein, you're good to go. <laughs> and there he is, he's sitting with the whole crowd, right? And Jesus is giving this ripping Bible study, and it's awesome. People are dialed in, no one goes to get food. And then the disciples are like, get them out of here. Man, we're done. They need to go eat, get some rest. And what does Jesus say? You feed them. And what do they do? They instantly look to their resources. We don't have enough money. All we got is Junior over here with his five and two. And what does the Lord say? Bring it. Bring it. And they gave it to Jesus. And he put it in his hands and he blessed and broke it. And he didn't, I don't think he made some like giant buffet, like Golden Corral or something. He gave it to the disciples. And because it's a, it's a lesson for us this morning. They became the distributors. Jesus performed the miracle, a molecular miracle, right? With the fish and chips multiplying them. They, it wasn't them doing the miracle. It was the Lord doing the miracle. They simply began to distribute. And God took what was small. But it was put in the hands of the Lord. Will you take what's small and put it in the hands of the Lord? Maybe you're saying, I don't got what it takes. I don't have this. I don't have that. Listen, you take what you do have and you put it, are you willing to be broken? That's the problem for most of us. We're not willing to be broken. We got too much pride. I'm a self-made man. I know. I know, the, I know what the Bible says. I got this thing. Brokenness in the world, in the world brokenness, it's despised. You're just, you're discarded. Brokenness in God's kingdom is a good thing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said. Because when we're broken, that's when we're usable. We recognize, I can't, but you can, Lord. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of any, of any spiritual or lasting or eternal value. Apart from Jesus. That means I need him. I need to look to his sufficiency, to his resources. And what, is he, what does he supply? Does he give you kind of a little eyedropper? Here you go. Here you go, Sammy. No, it's like, here you go. But then it's taking the step of faith out in that and saying, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll follow your lead. And what happens? Lots of people get blessed. That's what happens. It's how God works. And when he does, he gets all the thanks, all the credit. Did you see that in the next verse? In verse 11, while you are enriched in everything, I love these words, enriched, abundantly supplied in all areas. Oh, by the way, 1 Timothy 6. Paul told, told young Pastor Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present age, wow, not to be haughty or prideful, nor to trust in uncertain riches, because our, our finances may be here today, gone tomorrow, 
but to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Did you catch that? I want to kind of balance this Bible study out. God gives you all things richly to enjoy. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel condemned. God has given you those things to enjoy. But here's the deal. It's okay to enjoy, but make sure if you're living a comfy life to give generously. He goes on to say, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. And so Paul says, you've been enriched with everything, all liberality. Why? For all liberality, for generosity, a steady flow, and it brings thanks to God. He gets the praise. He gets the thanks. It's been said that a, a grateful heart is a grateful heart. Does, does Jesus take note of our thanks, by the way? Yes. He does, doesn't he? Remember the ten lepers that got cleansed? How many came back to say thank you? One. What did Jesus say? Where, where's the other nine? How come they didn't come back to give glory to God? The Lord takes note. And Paul's like, we're giving thanks to God because of your generosity, because of your hilarious giving. And then he goes on, verse 12, as we finish. We got time? We sure do. Here we go. For the administration of this service. By the way, that word service is like priestly ministry or a sacred service. It's sacred. It's, it's honoring to God is the idea. It's special. Our giving. Wow. It not only supplies what? The needs of the saints. You're helping meet the needs of God's precious family. But also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for what? For the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you, because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So Paul's like, we're giving thanks for your generosity, but then when that gift arrives in Judea, think about that. These guys are hurting, weren't they? They were hurting in Jerusalem. Probably down to their last hummus and falafel. That's the reality. Like down to their... Don't know where their next meal's come, next bill's going to get paid. And then all of a sudden, do-do-do-do-do, here comes this crew. And they've got this huge love gift for the church. And what do they say? Verse 13, those people are the real deal. They're, they're genuine in their faith because it says they, they praise God for them. Paul says, you were simply acting out what you professed concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your life is in agreement with what you say about Jesus. When you give, you're confessing the gospel that you believe in grace, by the way. When you serve, you're saying, I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe in grace. It's a testimony of a changed life. A demonstration of your liberal sharing, your sweet connection with all these different people. They would be so, the people there would be so stoked. God is glorified. We want everyone to know how great God is, don't we? He must increase, I must decrease. Listen, our giving is not about getting a name on a chair or on a plaque or on the website or your name in lights. It's about the name of Jesus being exalted. The name that is above every other name. And, is, and think about those, those saints in Judea. They'd be saying, oh, God's timing is perfect. Have you guys found that true in your life? He's never late. You know that God's never late? Some of you are thinking, I don't know. I'm about to be the first person to disprove his promise. <laughs> There's no, no way, Jose. I, I shared first service. Um, 
We've seen the Lord so many times uh, miraculously uh, provide for us through God's people. Um, some of you guys know Luke, special needs son of mine, is 20. When we first moved here to Texas, he started having brain seizures. He lost all his, uh, he, he was saying mama, dada, bath, but he lost all his speech, everything. And I can't say we lost all our money. It all went to hospitals, to ambulances, to doctor's bills. And um, we came to that point, like everyone else, we, no savings, no 401k, no nothing. It, month to month, like everybody else. And uh, we got worse than that. We were in debt big time. And Tanya and I are like, okay, what do we do? And Tanya's, like, Tanya's a spiritual one. We need to pray. <laughs> we need to pray. Hon. I'm like, yeah, we can't go talk to our parents because we told them that God's going to provide and watch what God's going to do. And we're boasting in God. Has that ever happened to you guys? <laughs> now we're like showing we don't tr And uh, a check came in the mail. Um, you guys know Topps baseball cards? Yeah. Anybody know Topps baseball cards? Mm -hmm. They had, they had a, uh, a collusion. They had some kind of uh, court case that got resolved. And the check that came in the mail was the exact amount that we were in debt. Oh Not a dime more or a dime less. And God has done that so many times. And he gets the glory. Listen, this morning, God knows when you're hurting, and he will come through. And you recognize that it's a miracle. You, ha you have to give praise to God because there's no other explanation for it. Notice verse 14. Let's finish. Notice also, he says, your generosity has compelled them to pray for you. Isn't that nice when you know someone's praying for you? Do you guys like that? God works through prayer. He's like, there's going to be lots of people praying for you. They have a longing to be with you. Why? Notice what it says. Not because you're so great, so wonderful, but because of God's grace in you. That grace that's been poured into your life is now being worked out. They're praising God for, for his grace in you. And Paul's like, just goes off the rails here. He's like, thanks be to God. Praise the Lord for his indescribable gift. That word indescribable means beyond words or so amazing, so glorious. It also means impossible to estimate. You know, you, we never know the impact of one sacrifice that we correct? Mm -hmm. We don't know. Because we don't see the big picture. And I can't wait till we get to heaven to meet some of the people that our missionaries have reached. Have you ever thought about that? Some people are going to come up to you and say, hey, wait a minute, you went to Calvary Chapel, West Houston. I, you guys sent a missionary to us in this jungle, in these mountains, and I got saved. But think about, he's talking about this indescribable gift, the one sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Beyond words. One sacrifice did what? Enabled us to be forgiven, to be declared righteous, to be justified. One sacrifice enabled us to have the hope of heaven, that we know our last breath here will be our first breath with him. He's brought us into a family because of one sacrifice. He's changed our lives. He's changed the direction. He's given us abundant life because of one sacrifice. You never know that one sacrifice that you make, the impact, the influence, and who gets the glory. It's his amazing grace. It's the Lord. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. You're so good. So great.
so generous, so kind to us, Lord. I just thank you for this passage. Thank you for supplying all that we need, the seed, Lord, the bread. privilege of serving you, the privilege of sharing in your work, the privilege of being your kids, being your family, given us so, so much. We didn't deserve any of it. We didn't earn any of it simply by your grace. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for my precious brothers and sisters. How you've blessed us and you're continuing to bless in such special ways as you see fit. And this morning, as we are still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study this morning, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. This morning, I want to ask if maybe you've come this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ personally. He loves you so much. He demonstrated his love for you. By dying on a cross for your sins and my sins, he suffered, he died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. And this morning, you know he's reaching out to you right now to rescue you, to forgive you, to make you his own, to bring you into a relationship. Hey, maybe you've been listening and you say, I know about Jesus or what others have said, but I don't know him personally. It is the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity. And it, and it starts today by you opening your heart to Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. I'm going to simply lead you in a prayer. You can follow after me. I am not asking you to join our church or sign some membership card or perform some ritual. None of those things will save you. Only Jesus Christ. save you right here, right now. You Open your heart to him. Don't put it off. Is that you this morning? You're saying, yeah, Mike, that's me. Would you lead me in a prayer? You just raise up your hand. Let me pray with you right now. Raise up that hand real high so I can see it, and we're going to pray together as you open your heart to Jesus. Anyone at all here this morning? thank you again for this amazing family that you've gathered. Thank you for supplying, Lord. Thank you for all the grace, all the sufficiency in everything and all things, Lord. May we give you the thanks that you deserve. Would you lead us and guide us in those paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And it's in your name, your precious and your holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right.